Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. I'm Rachel Moss, the host, and this is my co-host, Mike Heitman. You can learn more about our podcast at www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Opera Unbound. Today, we are starting a new thing. This is the Ultimate Opera Playlist, where we talk about our favorite scenes, favorite voice types, favorite arias, and we're going to talk about the things that we think most people who are unfamiliar with opera should know about, because they're popular for opera goers, and novices would really enjoy them as well. There may be stuff that we cover that you'll see in other media, like commercials, or movies and then also we're gonna talk to you about some that we think are underrated and lesser known maybe even for the uh, opera aficionados that may not even know about them or maybe only because you're an opera aficionado you know about these so anyway today's topic is muy sexy it is love scenes from opera so we have a playlist that we're going to put on youtube that will be in conjunction with this episode so we hope you enjoy it we're going to start off our playlist with none other than la tirarem la mano from don giovanni by mozart in this duet we have don giovanni who is trying to seduce zerlina and zerlina is to be wed to Mazetto. She keeps going back and forth. She's feeling the moment. She's like, oh man, Donji, I get it. But then she's like, wait, 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 wait. But I have, I have a fiance. This, this isn't right. We're going to play this short clip for you. The things that I want you to pay attention to in this and what makes this such a memorable duet are these things. So we have the seductive nature of Don Giovanni's melody. I'm going to call him the original crooner. Oh yes, definitely. It starts off with these small intervallic movements that are followed by these larger swooping leaps. da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Right? It's very dreamy. We can see why Zerlina falls for him. Totally. Zerlina begins her response by repeating this melody, and then it becomes altered when she wakes up for a minute and you literally hear her indecisive palpitations in the rhythm. And this goes back and forth. And as Don G is able to win Zerlina over, they eventually come together in harmony. And it's perfect the way that it comes together. It seems like it fits. What do you think, Mike? First of all, I love Don Giovanni. It's my one of my top two favorite operas of all time. I love playing Don Giovanni. The thing that's so interesting for me in this is you can play it so many different ways. You can play it as the guy who who already knows the end. You could play it at, you know, he knows he's going to get her. He's Don Giovanni. He's like, hey, I'm Don Giovanni. I sleep with people. It's what I do. It's like practically a profession for me. Or you can play it as the person who's maybe not quite sure, 
Seralina is so conflicted in this moment because she does love Mazzetto with all of her heart, but he's, as we know, country bumpkin, as they would say, you know, kind of a lower class person. Both of them are. And she's obviously heard of Giovanni and she sees potentially this beautiful and amazing life she could have with Giovanni. And so she's torn between do I be the gold digger or do I go with the person I love? So it's really conflicted. When you were mentioning her conflict where she's like, da 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 no, she says non son più forte so I'm not strong enough to to deal with this temptation right now he then says to her vieni vieni come come and give me your hand I honestly don't really ever feel he forces her he's just like it's here baby it's right here I think he knows that he doesn't have to yep this isn't a situation where he has to be overbearing he can win her over with charm alone yeah that is given to you in the music yeah the duet at the end that you mentioned I love it they talk about let's go and restore the pain of an innocent love which has lots of different meanings but it's just so beautifully written and playful and fun which sums up a lot of mozart's personality it's a wonderful wonderful duet also we have a bonus with this one i didn't know this till about a year actually not a year probably like two or three years ago that there's a scene from a movie where frank sinatra sings la chirarem la mano now he's not an opera singer so i'm just gonna throw that out there everybody knows that but if you could think of a person in pop culture that would be Don Giovanni in a show, it would be Frank Sinatra. That's a little added bonus to the playlist. See, I wasn't wrong. Don Giovanni's the original crooner. Yep, there you go. And here we all thought that it was Frank and Bing and Dean Martin. (laughs) Sorry, Buble, you're not. (laughs) You have some serious competition. We hope you enjoy this, and you can also pay attention to the orchestra and how it gives this dance-like underpinning to the entire situation that I think just adds another level of intrigue to the whole scene. This is La Cidarem La Mano from the 2000 Metropolitan Opera production of Don Giovanni, featuring Bren Turfel as Don Giovanni and He Kyung Hong as Zerlina. Next, we're going to do probably the most famous love duet. Soave Fanciulla from La Boheme by Puccini. Prior to this scene, we have Rodolfo, Marcello, and Colline. They're all going to go out and also Schoenart. Uh, they're all going to go out for drinks. And Rodolfo's like, no, 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 no. He's a writer. He's like, I got to I gotta finish this paragraph. Hold on. I'll meet you there. Okay. So he starts writing. Here's a knock at the door. It's me, me. She's a neighbor. They don't really know each other, but her candle is out because this is, you know, from way back when when they didn't have electricity she's like hey can you light my candle i don't know if that's pun intended or not at that point but it's kind of funny so he lights it they get to know each other long story short they both sing arias to each other about their lives probably overshared let's just be honest especially in rodolfo's case um always a death sentence for most people but not rodolfo and mimi oh no they would they would be breaking rules of standard dating etiquette if this was set in today's society but anyway they sing to each other and then you hear colline and chonard and marcello from outside they're saying like dude hey come on we're waiting what are you doing and he's like hey somebody's here you know and i gotta finish my thing oh they're like yeah yeah somebody's there okay all right yeah you're you're just some amazing poet okay Uh, 
and then they're also like, oh, it's a girl. So he's found his muse. Oh, okay. You know, just basically the, the normal stuff that guys tease each other for. But then eventually he just bears his soul to her in a way that honestly I think only Puccini can do. It's just stunning. The thing that makes Puccini different from any previous Italian composer is that he embraced this new style or created this new style called Verismo. And what it really meant was that he wanted the opera to be through composed and to be more like real life and about real life people, not about kings or mythological characters. He wanted it to be about regular people and to be closer to what real life was like. When you're listening to a Puccini opera, there's a couple things that you want to listen to. You want to listen to what's called the parlando style which is a speech-like style and you and you'll hear this in the middle of this duet where they start off with this opening motif because puccini also used light motifs like wagner suave fanciulla that is the motif of love in this opera and the music will give you the um, psychological states of the character and will also set the mood which is not to say that's not true with any previous music you get a greater sense of it when something is through composed Puccini also had a, an incredible understanding of orchestral color and how to put that with voices and in points of great drama or passion he often doubles the vocal line with the strings which you get in this duet when they both first joined voices. And later on in the duet, we have a callback to, to Rodolfo's aria with another leitmotif when he talks about her tiny frozen hand. I think that Puccini just had a real sense of how to create a whole story and not just put the elements together. He just, he knew how to imbue every thread of the opera to make it seamless and beautiful. Agreed. You know, I sometimes go back and forth on the idea of the leitmotif it's because and this is really simplifying it but is it because they the composers use it because they don't want to write more or <laughs> is it because they know how effective it is and of course it's because it's how effective it is it, it invokes all these different feelings and like you mentioned where he does these callbacks multiple times you know not only the the frozen hands when he said when Rodolfo says nell'anima," you know after the big the big one and she's quoting her aria underneath him yes. it's just so intertwined that you don't want it any other way there's no leitmotif or if you want to put it in modern terms riff or guitar lick that is used by Puccini in a really trite way it's all to bring back these moments and it's just so incredible how he does it especially in this duet it's like when you're looking at a masterpiece painting in a, in a gallery and you're staring at it you want to get in and you want to look at all the tiny details because you can see the whole picture and you're just amazed by it. But you're like, but wait, there's more. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I think Puccini is like. When you hear Puccini, yes, it's an amazing piece of work. And, and the more you listen to it, the more you get. This recording comes from the 1986 Beijing opera production of La Boheme. This is Soave Fanciulla featuring Luciano Pavarotti as Rodolfo and Fiamme Iso D'Amico as Mimi. <laughs> Do, 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 do. 
That's going in there. I think that that's better than the actual intro of it. They should just record it, put it on loop. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> Anyway. Okay, so our next duet comes from arguably one of the most popular operas in the world. For sure. Carmen. And we're going to be talking about the Segedia, which there are a couple different duets in this opera, but I think this duet is probably the most recognizable between the two major characters. So in this duet, Don Jose is guarding Carmen. She's been arrested for fighting, and she's trying to seduce him and worm her way out of a situation like she always does. This is to the T, Carmen's character. Ah, I have a problem. How am I going to solve it? I'm going to con somebody, basically. Yeah. The Segedia is based on a Castilian triple meter dance for partners. It's perfect that Bizet used this form for the duet. And the Segedia is associated with quite fancy footwork. Sometimes in productions, you have that actual dance involved. And other times, you have just the allusions to it or some sort of dancing that's sensual in nature. Another very important part of this is the guitar rhythms that the orchestra is mimicking in the introduction and throughout the duet. And the last thing that you want to pay attention to is the use of chromaticism and modes and how this further heightens the sensuality of the scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that this is such a great seduction by Carmen. She's saying, hey, let's go to the bar and let's you know, have some drinks. See how it goes. Jose, arguably, is coming back from war he's a soldier right and they've seen some shit right they have rough days yeah who doesn't want to go yeah and, and get a drink with a pretty girl so it's it's a real simple ploy that she has and the music that Bizet writes like you're mentioning the chromaticism also the obviously as opera singers we try to not scoop everything there <laughs> There are parts of this where, like, if you were to scoop it, I don't think people would even care. I'm going to say something that I I might not say in other situations, but it kind of mimics moaning. Oh, totally. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. That just popped into my head. Hadn't hadn't, uh, had that epiphany before. It's, it's the opera gods blessing you with dew from above for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, in this, she's, she talks about going to a bar, the Las Pastias, having manzanilla, but she also talks about how she knows that her reputation is not a secret. Mm-hmm. And she talks about how she's been with lots of different men, basically a different one every week, and a lot of them don't please her. But you're arriving right at the right time. This is what she says to John Jose. And uh, it's the end of the week. I'm looking for a new lover you want to join me yeah what what guy doesn't want a a uh, a challenge he's like challenge accepted yeah she knows how to push the right buttons that's for sure yep so the excerpt i chose for this is um the time where they're kind of singing over each other and she is saying you know because he's like oh don't talk to me like i know what you're trying to do and and she's like what i'm just singing to myself <laughs> i'm just thinking is is that a crime <laughs> you know she's pulling the strings and he's like like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to contain himself, but he he's just finds her irresistible. Yeah, so of course. I think that clip is, is perfect because this is excerpted as an aria, but it technically is a duet. So it's both sides. They just, when you do it as an aria, they take out the middle section where the actual duet is. Yeah. So, so maybe you'll be seduced by this excerpt and probably want to go listen to the rest of the Carmen because it is, it is just fantastic music. It gets stuck in your ears. I think that was part of the genius of what Bizet wrote. If you 
want to write operas that are going to be performed over and over again, that's what you have to create. You have to create these these melodies that are hummable, basically. Totally. And let's let's think about how much of this show is in other things. The prelude definitely is. So for those of you listening, that's in stuff all over the place. Toreador song, at least the Habanera, you know, Carmen's Aria, and probably Segadia are all over the place too. I don't know about um, Jose's Aria so much, but it's beautiful. One of my favorite tenor arias. Definitely. Next you will hear Elina Garancha as Carmen and Richard Iyer as Don Jose from the 2009 Metropolitan Opera production of Carmen. Okay, so the last duet we're going to talk about, we do have some others that we'll list that we think you should check out too, is Mon Coeur Sur Vatavois from Saint-Saëns and Dalila by Sonsin. This is another one of those which many people think is an aria, but is actually a duet. And again, it's like the first section is completely solo. They come together and then um, it ends with Samson um, saying that he loves, that he loves Dalila. And this is another one of those seduction scenes. Dalila has been charged with the mission to seduce Samson. The high priest of her tribe have asked her to do so because they've tried everything they can to defeat him, but he's just too strong. The secret is his hair. In this scene, Dalila is saying that her heart is like a flower and his voice is the one thing that makes her open up and she wants him to respond to the tenderness that she's showing. What makes this so, I don't know, luscious is the orchestration and the, just the special atmosphere that the strings create. It's dreamy. It's a very dreamy quality. And then the chromaticism of her line... I'm in love with just the melody itself. <laughs> oh, totally. I think that this is one of the greatest arias ever written in terms of seduction, but it's specifically for the lower female voice. You know, because it can be done by a mezzo, it can be done by a contralto. It just depends on what they're looking for. True. It's just so luscious. And the the line that's, Ah, répond à ma tendresse. You know, respond to my tenderness. Like, it's just, oh. Yeah, and she talks about the intoxicating ecstasy that they can both experience together. Yeah, right? yeah, totally. And I just, there are very few, I mean, obviously, when you have your voice type and you know the repertoire for your voice type, there are things you can listen to over and over and over again. But this is one of those for me from the lower female voice that I can't get enough of. It's just so, so hot. Um, it's just so good. <laughs> So good. When but when they both come together, when they're both actually singing the duet, that's really special too. Oh, totally. And I love at the end of the scene where Samson just throws out the high jetem. Oh, in true operatic fashion, a, a guy has to scream that he loves somebody at the highest pitch that he can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wait, we're going to play that excerpt of them singing together because I'm sure even if you are not an opera aficionado or normal opera fan, you've probably 
probably heard this, like we said, it's another one of those that kind of breaks the barriers. So we're going to play that excerpt that you probably haven't heard so you can experience the beauty of the two voices weaving together. This recording of Monko Suvratavois from Samson and Delilah comes from the 1964 recording with the Netherlands Radio Orchestra and Chorus, featuring Oralia Dominguez as Dalila and John Vickers as Samson. Alright, so now we're going to move on to the underrated ones. And this first one comes from a show that I think is one of the most underrated shows of all time. I probably could do a whole episode just on this show. And this is Offenbach's La Belle Hélène, which is a parody of the story of, depending on how you want to look at it, the seduction or the rape or the abduction of Helen of Sparta by Paris. Of course, the background story for Paris is is that he was met by these three goddesses, Athena, Aphrodite, and I forgot the the other one. But anyway, they basically, they want Paris because he's, you know, very, he's a very beautiful man and all this stuff. And they come to him with gifts and two of them offer him gifts that aren't really that important to him. But then Aphrodite, she shows up. She's like, you know what gift I can give a man? My naked body. She does that. And of course, Paris chooses her of the three. But she says, look, I know how men are. I know how people are. I know how lust works. I know all that stuff. So here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to let you marry Helen of Sparta instead of me in exchange for two or three long kisses. Now, Helen, of course, is deemed the most beautiful person in the whole entire world world okay so that's the background to all of this now fast forward paris goes from the goddesses he goes to sparta he comes in dressed as a shepherd because everybody knows who paris is but he's got to come in disguise so it's not so obvious because he's trying to seduce helen who is married to menelaus eventually he does this battle he wins some time with helen this the show is just so ridiculous uh in this scene prior prior to this we have helen she's talking to kalkas who's the high priest of jupiter and she asks him to give her a dream about love and he leaves and there's like this interruption by a bunch of the gods the greek gods where they're playing this game i don't know why they're just coming into her room randomly saying who won and who didn't won, and then they leave and then she pops out of her bed she's like wait it's a dream actually let me back up just between where the the kings come in and out paris shows up and he's kind kind of like sneaking around and then Helen gets up and she's like wait it's a dream and Paris is like yeah yeah it's a dream totally totally and so <laughs> so they start singing and at first it appears that Helen, who wants Paris, she thinks that she's having a dream that Paris all of a sudden showed up in her room, when in reality, that is real. And so they start singing back and forth, and they're like, yeah, this is a dream, is it a dream, all this stuff, and then she realizes that it actually is him. And of course, like you would probably if you were in her position, you have some questions for this berger, or shepherd, and so she's like, so Paris, you know, am I as beautiful as Venus, who... 
also she thought was the most beautiful person in the whole world but of course because of what I already told you about the judgment of Paris it's actually Helen she asks him all these questions and eventually they realize that they are wanting to be together and they want to even though she's married that they want to give into this dream into this love that they have now the one thing I you'll see in this show or in this clip that we're showing is there's lots of little touches like number one you'll see towards the beginning when they start the we say we say you'll see these sheep coming on stage which of course this is a multi-layered thing because the sheep we, when we think of dreaming we're counting sheep oh that's cute but also paris is a berger or shepherd so he's shepherding sheep then later you'll see what happens to the sheep when they really come to life i think that it's just such a great duet there's so much more in that show that i, I could go on for days about the music is intriguing i don't know there's something uh sometimes i feel like french composers get overlooked altogether or composers writing in the french style when it comes to opera people often go to italian operas first what what i think is quintessentially french music which has a lot of dance influence Mm -hmm. yeah the ballet of course and you get that in this piece you know the basic form you have the a section the b section kind of c section then it comes back to the a section in that dun 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 it is a little bit longer of a duet around nine to ten minutes but the whole thing is captivating the entire time how everything's gonna play out totally and it it sets up so perfectly what happens next which you won't see in the clip as you would probably guess guess who shows up Menelaus, knock, knock, knock on the door. Elaine, what are you doing in there? And now you got Elaine with her lover. This is all going to go so well. Uh, one thing to keep in mind with this show and why, if you like this duet, you should check more of it out and also Offenbach's music is a lot of his style was the precursor to old school musical theater. It's not quite time-wise like the thing right before right. it, but it was leading to mm-hmm. people like Gilbert and Sullivan, which then led to... To the old school golden age musical theater composers like yeah, Roger the Hammersteins etc yeah totally people like Offenbach Gilbert and Sullivan they're great connectors if you already like musical theater and you want to work your way backwards in time and also style and find some commonality those are the the people that you're going to want to go into in terms of the opera operetta yeah and these these uh sorts of compositions aren't I don't want to say they're not overly complex but they're not like complex to the point of being philosophical yeah which is not everybody's thing that's the whole thing with like when you get to things like Wagner and Puccini they have their own amount of sort of homework you have to do to to really enjoy them you can enjoy them on a surface level but if you understand more of what the composer had in mind and what they were trying to do with each element that goes into the opera, you get a much greater enjoyment out of the piece. Whereas with something like this Offenbach, the music's great, the storyline is really enjoyable, and it's a nice, light opera piece, as we call it. Yeah, totally. This clip comes from the 2001 Paris Théâtre du Châtelet production of Le Belle Hélène by Offenbach, featuring Felicity Lott as... Hélène and Jan Boiron as Paris.
Let's move on to the next one, which at first we didn't have a Baroque piece on our list, but then I thought, no, 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 no. We got to add this one. This one's great just because of the storyline that goes along with it. It gets a little bit complicated, so I'm actually going to read a basic summary that I wrote just so you can see what all leads up to this. This takes place during the Crusades, you know, the Christian Crusades, okay? This comes from Handel's opera, Rinaldo. And prior to this scene, we have Gofredo leads the Crusader army in an attempt to overtake Jerusalem during the Crusades. Gofredo has a daughter, Almirena, key character, who is also in love with the knight Ronaldo. She is abducted by the general of the Sarsan army, Argante. While keeping watch of Almirena, Argante falls in love with her and says he will defy his mistress, who is also the queen of Damascus, Armida, just to have Almirena. Of course, Almirena rejects him. Ronaldo is captured and brought before Armida. She then rejects his plea to free Almerena and instead falls in love with him. So just to recap, we have Argante and Armida who are supposedly in love with each other, who have fallen for other people who have rejected them. Later, she tries to seduce him by trying to trick him into thinking she's Almerena, but he doesn't fall for it and rejects her. I guess I got ahead of myself. So now we have Armida. She's dressed as Almerena and she runs into Argante who, remember, is in love with Almerena. She runs into Argante who confesses his love for Almerena, who is actually Armida in this instance, again, naturally... Armida is not having any of that, and she leaves furious. Now, before Armida tries to kill Almerena, Gofredo, Ronaldo, and other or Gofredo and others come to save her and Ronaldo. Now that Armida and Argante, they they come and actually do save them. So they Armida and Argante have been foiled. They now realize that they have a bigger issue at hand, which is Gofredo and Ronaldo taking over Jerusalem. So they reconcile and prepare their troops after recalling their common love for glory, winning, and as we all know, making trophies of dead enemies. That's pretty metal. Yeah, it's It's real metal. And speaking of metal, in this production that you'll see, we have Argante wearing the chainmail, and she kisses him at one point through the chainmail, which is pretty hot. This duet is called Al Triunfo del Nostro Furore. I think musically what's really cool for me is because of the Baroque articulation, they'll sing uh, Al Triunfo del Nostro Furore. They're saying all triumpho. All triumpho. And it's almost like they're laughing. So as you listen to it, because like if you're really that mad and that power hungry, that bloodlusting, I think you'd be laughing at this situation too, that they're going to go kill people and take names and put their heads on stake. They're just slightly maniacal. It's just all right. It's all right. It's normal. Yeah. As per usual. Totally normal. Yeah. Of course. Some other elements that you'll hear in this excerpt, we have a little bit of fugue going on. The melody starts in one voice and the other voice will take it and it'll become slightly altered. And of course, with much of Handel's music, many melismas you will hear. Mm -hmm. Perhaps my favorite parts of Baroque music is this just overlapping suspensions and resolution, suspension and resolution. I just think that that's a really special part of Baroque music that doesn't get as much love. Yeah, I agree. And we're all only talking about love today, so we're giving that love to the Baroque period. Our final selection comes from the 2012 Glyndebourne Festival. This is Al Triunfo del Nostro Furore from Rinaldo by Handel, featuring Luca Pizzaroni as Argante and Brenda Ray as Armida. Al 
We hope you've enjoyed our ultimate opera playlist. We have a few more excerpts that you will hear on our playlist, which is on our Patreon page. Those are not played during this episode. We have the love duet from Tosca, O Nuit d'Amour from Faust by Gounod, and also Va Je T'ai Pardonné from Romeo and Juliet, also by Gounod. That's popular love duets and for underrated love duets that we want you to listen to because they are most excellent. That would be Nuit d'Ivresse from Les Troyens by by Berlioz, the cherry duet from L'Amico Fritz by Mascagni, and the Silvio and Neda duet from Pagliacci by Leon Cavallo. Mm-hmm. Take a listen, and uh, we're also going to have a, a poll so you can vote on which ones that you thought were the best. Please comment, like, subscribe, and we'll be back again for another episode in two weeks. And also tell a friend. Gotta tell your friends all yes. about it. Like, subscribe, tell a friend, phone a friend, I don't know, listen <laughs> to it together over drinks who wants to be a millionaire now yes totally i mean you will be a millionaire in your heart with all the richness of the music that you will be listening to how cheesy is that (laughs) thanks for listening to this podcast episode we hope you enjoyed it we'd love to hear your thoughts and requests so leave us a comment below for more information about the podcast or for extras check out our patreon page www.patreon.com slash opera unbound you can help support the creation of this and much more content for as little as three dollars a month like and subscribe to our channel and also follow us on instagram at opera unbound to stay updated ciao